Welcome back to the An African Conquering the World podcast. Um, this is episode 8 of 54. We thank you for for joining us on Instagram to like our, our pictures and to follow. Your likes and your your followership means a lot to us and gives us the the energy to come back here every Friday to deliver um, stories of architecture and provocations of architectural theory so help our growth by following us on instagram and also um, give us a like and 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 share our podcast to as many people as possible the more people we have the better for us the easier it is for us to make more shows also um, our instagram live will come sometime this month hopefully um, we'll keep trying to set it up as the month goes along and um, we'll t- inform you on the Instagram page and here as to when that um, event will take place. But please prepare and give us as much um, support as possible when we're ready to do that. Again, thank you for being here. It's always nice to to have these 10 15 minutes to talk to you every friday to prov- to create these provocations from the work we're doing and our observation and my observations as i travel around the world to look for work and also to deliver architecture that is uniquely african in spirit and um, on the highest level of technology in form um, architecture as we know it must transcend its outlook and become more of a systematic um, a systematic delivery and a systematic object that helps to enhance the environment. So let's keep that in mind as we look today at Singapore uh, as a place that um, one has been to in search of architecture and as Singapore as, as a model for almost like a futuristic new Gotham kind of um, um, outlook and kind of city planning that is accessible to especially places like Africa. Not accessible financially alone, but accessible both in the idea and in the in its approach towards creating for the environment. Now, don't forget that Singapore is a tropical tropical location that's constantly is constantly rained out with these tropical monsoons that can spark off heavy rains at any time of the day without warning so singapore is a lot like the tropical um cities at, at the at the um coast of africa like lagos and accra and um, um, all those other cities in that in that belt. So Singapore is a very important, very 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 important um, part of our understanding of what African cities can be. And the most important reason for this is because Singapore is Singapore is a city that has built its legacy of architecture and city planning step by step over time. Singapore didn't miss any steps. And you can see as you travel through Singapore a consistency from its traditional architecture 
of its of 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 of, of those Buddhist temples that are so beautiful. They have a sci-fi effect, all the way up to a very 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 aggressive modern and postmodern architecture, because Singapore became a place of experiment for the modern movement, especially for Japanese metabolism. Um, and uh, that 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 has given rise also to a, a more green architecture and not green in the way that uh, we want to look at it but it's a green architecture that is um, a green architecture that its essence is based on the city so for we typically want to make these standalone architectural objects but singapore has written its codes of city planning to create a, a architectural objects that enhance the working of the city that um, trap water that, um, that 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 have enough greenery to reduce temperatures that have enough cover for people working on the street so it, it's more than just a series of architectural objects within the city and and that growth from creating monuments to creating um, walking objects is something that is very is one very um, Singaporean but it's also very 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 essential for tropical cities so um, my first foray into Singapore was in 2015 uh, I went as a guest to the World Architecture Festival, where um, OME, uh, Office of Metropolitan Architecture, who was run by Rem Koolhaas at that point, had just w- were crowned the winners of the Building of the Year with a building they had made in Singapore, which was a, st- a series of stepped. Um, it was a series of uh, interlocking houses uh, on several floors that had a, a, a hexagonal outlook. But the, the, that honeycomb nature could only be seen from the sky. I mean, of course, that concept is a metabolist concept and had been done, um, had been first uh, used as an architectural trope by Japanese architects in Japan. But OMA took it to a, a level where it became very functional for a housing, a housing situation and that functionality could only have happened in Singapore because of the openness to learn and the the fact that the Singapore was looking for um, a language of architecture that used its green, the greens of the city as the, 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 the basic used greening the city as the basic um, tool to, by which it it made a better architecture and it made uh, the cities function on a higher level so uh, we, we, we in, in 2015 I went for a few days I think about a week and it was a, it was a marvel because from the airport we, I, I saw for the first time bridges that had that had um, some form of greening on it and it wasn't just aesthetics I saw buildings like um, Woha's um, Park Royal Hotel and Oasia Hotel that were covered in green, not because they, it was an aesthetic feat, but because, one, the rules of construction in Singapore give a percentage of green that must be reached 
for the building to be able to fit into the urban plan. So that, that percentage of green helps to create cooling and shading. It also helps the building to function in a unique way. So Park Royal Hotel, for instance, had its center excavated out and filled with a green, a cascading green, uh, a series of cascading green terraces. I hadn't seen that before. That was new. Woha went along to make also the Oasia Hotel, which is covered in a beautiful red mesh that is planted all over it. Um, but what I had, what I then started to notice in in the architecture was the ability to make these floating pavilions that were not connected to each other, that allowed air to go around the forms, but were only connected by 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 a core. So that that ability to create a non-continuous architecture around a continuous core is something that I started to notice in Singapore, and done on an urban scale, it means that. All the time, um, wind never becomes an issue in cities uh, where you have these tight urban urban conditions. Um, there's no eddy currents that uh, that that enable people to to be discon- make people uncomfortable within those alleyways that are between the buildings. And also, uh, shadows are, are, are in a way that they are both comfortable, but there's enough light in the streets. So it was a revelation for me. Their art school also was also a revelation. Um, again, it's that same floating pavilions in free space that uh, Woha has created a language around and carry on through their buildings. Also, Singapore peculiarly forces the architects that come, the foreign architects that come to work in Singapore, it forces them to work in a peculiar way. It forces them to to um, make architecture that is Singaporean in nature. So it, the, the architecture the architecture that the foreign architects make in Singapore is never kind of repeated anywhere else in their oeuvre, in their, in their uh, entire work. For instance, um, Cob- um, Norman Foster's South Beach Tower on South Beach Avenue, beautiful building. It's screened at two sides, but it's a series of floating um, square pavilions of several floors that are disconnected from each other but connected by core. Now that was that's Woha's language that is built on a, on a much bigger scale by a much more international architect. And that language you see is repeated in several other buildings because we can argue also that Marina Bay Sands is a series of floating pavilions in free space, being that the towers, the triangular towers that hold up the large floating pool are a, uh, two, two, two towers that are leaning towards each other with a free space in the middle and that atrium goes from ground to the top so that the hotel rooms in it look into the atrium as they look outward too. So it's, for me, um, Singapore is a revelation in that sense because these new generation of towers that are sprouting up in Singapore are asking to be noticed, are asking to be recognized as a language of thinking of architecture of, of large scale in tropical areas. They are also confident and they are now legis- almost legislated by law. So it's something that we need to learn from. I love Singapore. Singapore is a great place. It's a beautiful place, beautiful food, very good food. Uh, well, nice enough people, 
very hard-working city and there's a constant there's constant life and hustle and, and movement in the city so it's a place where you can never really get bored at, and for 24 hours of a day of the day there's always somewhere to go and something to do that you don't have to pay money for so you can just go around and see people having living their lives and interacting with their city and the architecture which is what city planning and architecture should do it should enhance allow people to be able to live their lives on the highest level without spending all the money they make anyways um, like i said singapore is a wonderful place uh, you need to look up the work of woha architects and also a lot of the work that um, oma has done in singapore or and also uh, foster south beach tower um, and several other buildings. Marina Bay Sands is an example, but not the greatest of examples. It's um, quite an expensive project. And these expensive projects are a little bit tricky to use as, as, as the yardstick to measure architecture. So, uh, I, Singapore, I've been twice, uh, twice for architecture, and it's been a wonderful experience. The understanding of traditional architecture that has been transcended all the way into the most futuristic architecture. Singapore is at the forefront of the world in all things technology and architecture. And they have built a language of their own by creating an understanding of their environment and also their local architecture. I recommend Singapore as one of the canons for a new architecture in Africa. Thank you very much for listening. Um, It's been a pleasure spending these 13 minutes with you. See you all next week and have a great weekend. Also, don't forget to follow us on on Instagram at at an an African and at AACW podcast. Give us a like and a follow. And let's build this community so that we can keep going. Episode 8 of 54. See you next week. Cheers.